Shut up and sit down. everybody. Um, I hope you can hear me tonight without any problems. Um, Because damn, last night was kind of a hot mess to start with, wasn't it? Um, But it's really curious because one of the things that Julie said, um, and I listened to it after the fact, was um, she had to get on the chat room to make sure she had an audience. And that was really funny. And someone actually emailed me and asked me if my audience was only the members of the chat room on a regular basis? And the answer is no. Um, the audience for the podcast is about the average show between iTunes and blog talk and um, 2,500 listeners for the average show. Some get a little more listens. I think they're duplicate listens, um, but about 2,500 people. Um, 65% of whom are men between the ages of 30 and 50. I, I don't know why. I do know why. I don't want to talk about it. Um, anyways, dudes, I'm really pleased to have your advertising dollars or your pennies, your advertising pennies, as it turns out to be. Appreciate you. Even if you are here for a severely perverted reason. I'm just saying. I know. I know. Okay, so we're going to talk about, um, I told Jilly, um, if she wanted to do a podcast tonight, that she needed to pick out a topic because I was brain dead. And she was talking about, um, we had, um, we were, uh, there. there's this theme that runs through fandom of of limiting authors to a certain kind of cubby. They, they get, Oh, you're a slash writer, or oh, you're a het writer, or um, oh, you write Stargate, or oh, you write Harry Potter. And if you step out of that box, they don't know what to do with you, and they get freaked out and like send you the email. Um, <clears throat> so we're gonna, have, we're gonna talk about that, and um, rock talk about the professional um aspect of it because it happens to professional writers too, and they handle it a little bit differently. Um than um, fandom writers do, and I almost did it myself in fandom, so we're going to talk about that. Hello. Hi. (laughs) I had a mouthful of lemon. (laughs) I mean, not an actual lemon. No, when the music started, when when she said shut up and sit down, I looked, I, I picked up my glass of tea, and it's empty. And I was like, well, fuck me. <laughs> so at some point when you're super chatty, I'll be disappearing for a little bit to get me some tea. Um, currently, I'm munching on a cheese stick because me and my fitness pal had an argument over how many carbs I've had today. Um, and I won. I got some strawberries, but then I felt bad, so now I'm having a cheese stick, which has no carbs. You, you won by virtue of the fact that you closed the app? 
<laughs> I won by the fact that I actually ate strawberries, even though it told me not to. Ah. And now my carbs are in the negative, and, and it's a red red number, which is just ugly. You've got to be ugly about it. They don't have to meet you. Like, I have this, I love doing logic puzzles. And, um, like, the best logic puzzle app for me is the one that's on Android, but, you know, I'm, I have an iPhone. And the iPhone app that everybody recommends and everybody plays, the the kind of the little game character that, like, tell, encourages you, he basically calls you stupid all the time. Oh, you're not as smart, you're not as fast as me. I guess you'll have to try harder. It's like, shut up, asshole. You're not actually playing. <laughs> I refuse to let you make me feel bad about myself. Give you that disappointed will be face. <laughs> you could have done so much better. <laughs> well, it was very passive aggressive because when I closed my fitness pal for the day, I, I, I closed my diary for the day. Um, it it told me I wouldn't lose any weight at this. Um, I was like, "Fuck you! <laughs> you don't gotta go. You don't gotta go that far." I walked today. I earned those strawberries, every one of them. That's right. You get to have all the carbs. All the carbs. Oh. I walked a Siberian Husky today with a pull weight of 200 pounds. Trust me when I say I earned that cup of strawberries. That's right. Well, it's not your My phone that's is pretty awesome at you. you, though. You just, you know, it's you the just... App. I've uninstalled apps that piss me off, you know, that, like... You know, how dumb are you? It's like, okay, you have to go. You have to go. I mean, I can finish one puzzle in nine minutes. But I completed it in seven. Huh? It's a very good app. It's a a very good app. I mean, it it makes you accountable. And I've noticed some things about my eating habits. And, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, I see where where that's happening. You know, I'm seeing where my sugars are sneaking in. but I, I, I do have a fresh fruit addiction, and I honestly never really paid attention to how much carbs are in fresh fruit. And it's pretty extreme. I mean, a cup of strawberries has 34 carbs. Wow. A medium size. That's a lot of carbs. I mean, you know, so it's it's just letting me, it, it's, it's. But what we argued, and I ate it anyway, so um, I'm, it's more of a guideline. <laughs> but the thing is, it's really shitty because I'm under my calorie tank for the day, but over my carbs. And I'm like, I don't want to eat a piece of ham. <laughs> Are you doing total carbs or net carbs? Total carbs. Mm, okay. Now, my fiber today, um, it's about 60. So if you do a net carb count, it's a little different. Yeah, I, the app I used had a, the app I, the app I was using for a while, well, I still have it because I've got an annual subscription. It had a, a diabetic module kind of that you could plug into it and it would really analyze net carbs and, um, look at the trending from a diabetic probe. So I, I never paid attention because I was just looking at net carbs. I never paid attention to the um, um, overall 
carb count and fruits and vegetables and stuff because like strawberries, a cup of strawberries is like 10 net carbs. So I never, I never thought about it in terms of total carbs. I think that would be a lot more intimidating for me. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is um, no eating good carbs do count. There are complex carbs. um, It's the difference between a candy bar and a, okay. So say a candy bar you, you find a little small snack size candy bar that has 34 carbs in it, right? And you have a cup of cantaloupe that has 34 carbs, right? So the cantaloupe is a, is a long-lasting carb. It's going to release the sugars at a, lower, uh, at a slower rate through your day, so your blood sugar won't spike. But it does count as a carb in your diet. Whereas a candy bar is going to hit your stomach and boom, within 30 minutes to 45 minutes, my sugar is through the roof. Yeah. So, you know, watermelon, cantaloupe, strawberry. Um, I never really paid attention to how many carbs were that I was eating when it when it came to fresh fruit because I kind of considered fresh fruit free. It's not. You know, they're it's carbs and vegetables. totally free on Weight Watchers. It, this is this is this this is not our topic, but no, it's not. It's frustrating. But if I don't get my sugar down within a year, I have to go on insulin. So I'm I'm trying to be good, but I don't think I should be denied fruit. <laughs> I don't think you should be denied fruit either. That's terrible. Um, grapes are at grapes are iffy, um, but blueberries are outrageous. The amount of sugar and carbs in blueberries is is ridiculous. Yeah, but the net carbs of blueberries is pretty low. It's almost double strawberries, I think, but it's still pretty low. Um, yeah, but the thing is, I'm not sure net carbs matter all that much when it comes to my A1C being through the roof. Because it's still hitting my body like a carb. Well, I think the point of net carbs is that looking at the, with fruits and vegetables, net carbs is supposed to be about what you're likely to have to metabolize. Right, you don't have to metabolize all the carbs you're eating. You don't actually metabolize all of it. So uh, as opposed to straight sugar, you do have to metabolize all the carbs that come in when you have sugar. Um, or fruits and vegetables, you don't. So, But when you uncouple... Yeah, we fruit, don't have any bananas either. Bananas are bad. Yeah, but when you couple the fruit from the juice, you change the, the whole ratio because um, you've... Re- you now have to metabolize all the carbs. So you can't like juice an orange um, and think you have the same net carbs as the orange that it was in. So it's, it's, um, which is bullshit, right? It's an experimentation thing. I pack, anyway, so um, I only buy fruit packed in its own juice. Um, but that's another matter. Cause I don't like Splendo on my fruit as a rule. <clears throat> no. I don't like I don't like any kind of artificial sweetener. Yeah. Although for me, the, the one that's supposed to be the most natural is the most disgusting, which is stevia. I mean, it makes me gag. Um, I think stevia is nasty too. Um, it's, 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 I, my, I know there's a lot of people who are big fans of it, but I think it's gross. Issue with my A1C, um, and uh, but I think it's a combination of um, stress 
because I did have a very stressful situation um, near the end of last year, the first of this year. Um, very stressful. It um it was yeah, and um, stress and and all that pain can can impact your 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 A one C as well. So it's it's or or, or your blood sugar. So I'm just it's we'll see how goes i don't, I don't want to end up on another shot because i'm already on one um it's not for um it's it's not insulin and i don't want to be on insulin if, if i can avoid it so <sighs> we'll see but um when i started uh the way pros handle writing in different genres is um they have separate pen names mm-hmm. and uh when i when I decided I was going to post my Harry Hermione pic, I seriously considered an alternate pen name for it. And I was like, oh, you know what? I am not going to run another website for that. I'm just not going to do it. Um, because there is a lot of – you get a lot of grief when you when you pick up a new fandom. You get twice as much grief when you pick up a new pairing that doesn't match the rest of your pairings. Like like. A, you're writing slash and, and you move into het, people lose their shit. And then I've got women commenting on my side about how het sex is gross and they're married to a man. They have het sex, right? Yeah, it's like, okay. But it's gross to read to them or they think girl parts are nasty. And I'm like, are you fucking serious? There goes my R rating. Accomplished? Yeah. 20 minutes in. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't. <clears throat> There's something I don't... It's. I can understand why, especially if an author really, cha- really changes genre. I think of, like, as it should be, I don't think necessarily that it started this way, but as it should be, whether it's, you know, an LGBT romance or a, a um, het romance, um, that's a subgenre. And that's more, I think I think of that more as so people can find the books that they want. I, You know, it also helps people avoid the books they don't want, which is a little bit the uglier side of finding the book you want, is that it helps people exclude the things they don't want. So, um, but Whatever. But it's a subgenre. The top genre in fiction in any in any market is not, you know, you don't have gay, <laughs> and then under that you have um, the genre. The top genre is not is not you know LGBT or pet or whatever or no sex. And that's kind of a function of, of fandom. Fandom kind of started that those shenanigans of making that our top level sort. And um, in fandom, I could definitely see why. So, so people instead of being pegged as a um, a mystery writer or a crime drama writer or um, a romance writer, you're pegged as a slash writer or a gen writer or or whatever. You got you got your little you got your little well, your little box, um, and so it really became hard in fandom to break out of the 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 pairing thing and a lot of people i think a lot of people didn't want to change pen names i think there probably are people who write under actually there are another are there are people who change um pen names based upon their fandom they change their pen name based upon um but i to me it's i think it's always been something that's always bothered me that we change 
that people would have to change anything in order to write um, gay or het or gen that, 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 you know, that whether the sexual orient, your story doesn't have a sexual orientation. And yet we acted like it, like the stories themselves did. And that, so that was like, that was like the parent, those were, those are the genres in fandom was gen slash and het, which I commented on this in another writer's group about those being the fandom genres. And, um, Somebody, somebody commented that I was wrong, and that it, further back than that, it was just, it was just, you know, Jen was everything, and there wasn't Slash until the '80s. And I was like, well, that's not true. There was Slash. Slash, you know, Slash probably existed back in you know time of the dinosaurs. But that's hopefully not. I know I don't mean literal dinosaurs. I know that there's dino porn out there. That was not what I was going for. But there are probably a bunch of Greeks out there slashing some people, okay? I'm just saying. But there was definitely, we all know Kirk Spock um, came up um, on on paper, passed around. Dog. I mean, I had, I had a friend who had um, a, a dog-eared printed thing. It wasn't even printed on any kind. It was that blue ink, that like mimeograph ink. And it was, it was sent mm-hmm. to her. She, she, it was sent to her and written the year I was born. Um, so she was reading Kirk, Slo- Kirk Spock's porn slash porn that had been mailed to her the year I was born, and I just that really stuck <laughs> in my head. So I I distinctly remember that that this that that this existed, and and then somebody you know and then somebody else you know people have to keep you know chiming in about when terms were invented and and it none of that's really relevant. The point is is there's a point that. At the point that Slash became a thing that more people did, fandom tried to push it in its own box. And they said, we're going to make that a top-level sort. And the top-level sorts initially were Jen and Slash. And if you wrote Het, you were considered Jen. And a lot of people said, that's not fair. You can't say that... Um, slash is its own box, but Het is not its own box. So instead of just putting everything together and getting rid of this idea of fandom genres of sexual orientation, no, <laughs> Kirk was a slut, but no, I said Kirk Spock porn. <laughs> um, um, anyway, so instead of fandom getting rid of the idea of these genres um, based upon sexual orientation, they split out Het as a separate thing. Like, okay, we're going to be fair, so we're going to split Het off. And so we had these silos, and you were either a slash writer or a Het writer or a Gen writer. And um, I think AO3, when they kind of came into being, I think probably because they've got published writers who, pro writers on their board, um, the OTW has you know, actual published writers go, those really aren't genres. We're not going to call them genres. We'll call them categories. And we realize that there are more categories than there are, than just those three. So there's gen, there's male, female, there's male, male, there's female, female, and, and other. Um, so let's make more genres because people still, that is still the top level thing, right? Um and all that really serves to do is limit people. It it serves to, instead of going, uh, being able to identify that you write mysteries or you write romances or you write sci-fi or you write fantasy, and whether or not there's relationships in it, maybe incidental, 
you are a slash writer, a gen writer, you're a, a fem slash writer, you're a you're a, a het writer, and that is so that is so putting baby in the corner. It is so imposing limits on it writers is. who can't break it's out so of narrow. those boxes. Mm-hmm. It is very narrow. And why should you have to be narrow? Why should you have to have those limits? I tend to sort by pairing, but I have OTPs. And yeah, so Blue points be. out that she sorts by she sorts by character. But the issue is is that um, in tag based, so if we're talking specifically about Ao3 in tag based, which is what Ao3 is driven on, everything is a tag, even um, MF. MM, even the mandatory fields or tags is when you sort by tags, you are the only way that kind of thing works is if people, everybody uses the same convention and all stories are tagged. And not all stories, I would say a large percentage, aren't tagged for pairing or for character or for anything that you might sort on besides fandoms. I think fandoms probably the only tag that every story has because a lot of the stories come into the open door stuff and um, you're lucky if you have pairings or characters on there and um, and and if that stuff gets edited um, it, you don't know how it's going to get edited yes or the dreaded and then, and then that leads to the dreaded wall of tags I think the wall of tags is why AO3 separated pairings out from the rest of the tags so you could at least see who was in the story without having to read 200 tags but tagging that convention <laughs> only works everything is tagged and people use the same tagging terminology so you can't even rely on finding all sentinel stories by tagging on looking for sentinel au tags it just doesn't work so it's not um how you sort you know sorting things on ao3 whatever you do unless you just um go straight in and uh into the fandom which is a mandatory tag and just start going down you're not going to find everything. It's just impossible. And because they don't do an ascending and descending sort by date, I don't think, um, you can't even see the oldest stuff without going all the way to the end. You'd have to you know, go all the way to the end, literally click on the last thing and work backward. It's just very hard to find things, especially in fandoms that have a lot of stuff. Um, so it's it's the whole... Yeah, Rex, Rex definitely work, but sometimes sometimes I just want to deep dive on something, and there's archives that come into AO3 all the time. There are archives absorbed into AO3 frequently, and because they don't have a tagging convention that can really be applied to these stories, they just kind of, they're there if you know to look for them, or you're looking for a work that you remember from back when it was on its archive, but otherwise you're not going to find it just doing any kind of conventional search because they don't have tags. Yeah. We've all done, we've all done, you know, thick dives where you just kind of go in and start clicking on stuff and see where it goes. And there's more noping out than there is reading, but sometimes it's because your attention span is short and that's about all you've got brain power for. Click, click, click. 
Yeah, yeah it looks like good. No, it <laughs> Oh, look, no paragraph breaks. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, how many, how many times do we flash back after only 200 words? I don't think so. <laughs> how, how, many, how many times have you talked to somebody who has said something like, I'm a slash writer? Or I'm, um, it actually, or I'm a gen writer or whatever, or I only read gen or I only read slash, I don't read straight stuff, or, um, or I only read canon pairings. Uh, it's just, it, it, I understand people have reading preferences, and that's not what this is about. Um, but as a writer, if you feel like you are stuck, as, if, you, if you identify as a slash writer, I would, I would say, like, well, why? Why is that your box? If you want to write mail, mail, that's fine. But what if you wanted to write Jen? You know, the thing is, what happens when you break out of that box is you're going to get questions. Well, where's the pairing? Well, where's the sex? Well, where's the this? Well, where's the that? When are you, you when said are you it, it wasn't about reader preference. But it is about reader expectation um, because it's not, I mean, it, it, it's not writers putting themselves in the box. It's readers putting them in the box. Um, I started posting Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond. I actually had to put a note on LiveJournal telling people not to complain to me about it because I didn't want to hear it. But I heard it anyway. Now, I have to say I have some small bit of regret um, for posting my Harry Hermione fic. And I'm saying that as I go into a challenge where I'm going to be writing it. Because there is honestly, there are no readers in fandom as entitled as Harry Hermione shippers. If there are, I have not encountered them. Which could be, I mean, I don't read the supernatural, so um, there could be more over there. I don't know. Uh. Terrible. Oh, don't do this. I can't believe you're doing this. Why aren't you working on this? I really wish you would write this. It is reader expectation. I mean, when you're sitting there and you've got a new idea and you think to yourself, maybe I'll just make a new account on AO3 that no one knows about and post. No, I have not done that. Don't go looking on AO3. I have not done that, I promise. But I did think about it. And that's when you think to yourself, well, you know what, you've got a problem. <laughs> or your readers have got a problem. Because you... And it's not so much that you've that I put myself in the box is that my readers have these expectations, and when I don't meet them, they bitch and you have and you balance it. you have to ask yourself, okay, do I do this? Do I go into this fandom, collect a whole new group of idiots to come to my site to read my stuff because that's it too because not only. Are your are your other readers going to complain because you're in a new fandom? But you're going to get a whole new group of fa- readers. So there will be some crossover, yes. But then there will be a whole new little set of readers that weren't reading you before. Then you know they'll be reading your other shit and blaming you because now they have to go watch Stargate, you know, because that's happened. And um, 
Oh, I don't read Harry Potter, but I decided to read it because you wrote it, and wow, it was so great. Thank you. I appreciate that. I really do. Um, but, so... And it's easy to say, you know, fuck them or ignore them or delete the email. But when you get 50, 60 emails in a month, it adds up. It, it piles on, and it's really hard to ignore it. Yeah, and you're just going, I just don't want to... I don't want to deal. I don't. I shouldn't have to. I don't want to deal with this. Um, I have. I think only one. Well, no. I mean, I have some shorts that are that are gen in the sense that there's no pairing. Um, but I would say that if found, the if found, please return story is gen. Um, there's of course a background pairing um, that is a slash pairing. Uh, but in my mind, it was a Jen story because the focus of the story was about Tony and it had nothing to do with romance. So, and even by AO3's own definition, um, Jen encompasses background pairings um, of any type that are that are not important to the storyline. If they're not important to the storyline, it can still be considered considered Jen. Um, and if they're not the focus of the story, of the story, so in my mind it was it was Jen, but that calling it Jen bothered people because it had a slash pairing in it. I can't tell you how many times I sent this. I did I did eventually put male male on it because there is, um, but I put it male male and Jen, and people felt like I misled them by marking it Jen because they searched for Jen, and I marked it male male because people were upset that I just called it Jen. Um, and I kept sending the screen caps of how AO3 defines um, what Jen is. And, you know, it's just it's just one of those things that's just so... Mm, it's like, why do we have to have this Is that one of the reasons why you eventually bailed on AO3? Um... I was really, I was really, I, I kind of hit, I was super frustrated with um, that, with the way the publication of If Found went um, from that side, because most of, and then the other side of it was, are you going to continue the story and who is Tony going to be paired with? And it was like people didn't want to get invested in it if they didn't know who the pairing was going to be someday. And um I did plot a sequel to If Found, but and there was a pairing, but it wasn't Tony pairing. It it was a pairing for Patrick, um, and um, and so I just I just got really frustrated that uh, people were really poking me so much about about the slash direction of that story, and or people who were Gen readers bitching about the fact that John and Rodney were in the story. Um, so I was frustrated, and then the next thing I posted was de novo, and those things posted really close together. They were like, I don't know, three weeks apart last January. So I was I was sort mm-hmm. of in saturation already with bullshit, and then I posted de novo, and um, people did not like the way I handled the tone, the, the introduction of the romantic pairing. And I woke up one morning to somebody saying, "You can do better." And I went, oh, AO3, I'm so tired of you. <laughs> so tired of you. Um, and I just said, that's it. That's it. That's it. Um, 
Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I think I think, and the thing is, the person who who left me the comment about you can do better, they knew exactly because I mentioned the you can do better part of their comment, in um. In 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 a post I put up, which that post is no longer on my site, but I did put up a post about that on my site, um, and they had written me and said that they were really they apologized, and I I, I it was. It was great that they sought me out and apologized for that. They said they didn't mean it. They didn't mean it negatively. They just felt like they were offering their opinion about 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 the way I had crafted the story, uh, and that they felt like it was beneath my writing standards, kind of thing, to have made the choices I wow, made. Wow, that's parents. just like they're just digging a hole. They're just digging a hole. Right. Um, and they felt like I was. I think they felt like I was I, punishing everyone for something they had said. Um, which wasn't the case. Me leaving AO3 was not to punish anyone. That was because I needed to reclaim my sanity. That I was I was losing my mind over crap on AO3, and a lot of the crap was because people do these sorts. Um, they they're looking for genfic only, and this story pops up in in their in their sphere, and they get really frustrated. Um, and they'd want to bitch about their frustration that this thing that sounded interesting to them had a gay pairing in it. And they'd want to know how much how much gay pairing. And I think I had rated the story teen, maybe. And they were like, well, how much sex is in it? Like, go away. I'm not going to answer these stupid questions. Um, you know what? This is, this is when my spite would have kicked in because I would have edited it, changed the rating, and put an explicit sex scene between John and Rodney just in the middle of it with no – Break. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy the listen filthy the sex scene. Then at the end, Rodney's saying, "So, how do you like having another brother?" Stick <laughs> <laughs> it in there. And pregnant. Great, Rodney. Off everything else. Well, and then another, one person. One person left me a comment and asked because I made Tony bisexual. Um, in the story, and it comes out because the brothers all kind of eventually, well, because Gibbs sends in gay porn in his luggage, um, so the brothers all eventually talk about, you know, who does what to who, uh, or how they prefer, or whatever. They all, they all, they have a, they have a chat about everybody's sexuality, and um, somebody asked me if I had to make Tony bisexual, and I was like, yes, I had to, <laughs> I had to, I absolutely had to. Was that an important decision? Yes. And now that I know it bothers you, I am going to have to do it again. <laughs> Always, forever. Always bisexual, Tony. That's the way. That's the way. I, that's the way I roll, folks. Um, it just. It just. I. So I think. I think. I was. I think the the issues around me putting that. You know, longer. I think it was. I think that's not. I think that's where it was novel length. That novel length story out there that was Jen kind of bugged people and so there was just this kind of like discontent even though a lot of people it is one of the most popular stories I've written um there was this kind of discontentment about it so I had a little bit more bitching than usual and it was it was a little bit subtle it was like passive aggressive bitching um and so then when a couple weeks two and a half three weeks later when I published DeNovo and and um so people were really some people really got why I handled the pairing in that story the way I did. Um, 
And it was actually, it was actually, it was reflective of my own experience in life of where sometimes in life you're saturated, like you, you've got as much as you can deal with. And that's like all of a sudden smack and romance smacks you in the face and you kind of have to decide if you're going to go with it or say not right now. Um, and so that's why I decided to do it was that it came out of the blue and that was a deliberate choice. It was not, um, I'm an attack on romance at the end of the story. Um, and it symbolically represented something, which was that Tony really was moving forward. He was letting go of all the stuff that had been weighing him down and making a new life for himself. So accepting the relationship at that difficult juncture where he was in the middle of so much change was representative of it. It, it, it sort of epitomized his willingness to move forward in his life and to let go of of his old team and Gibbs and all of those expectations and just embrace something new. So it served a purpose and it was the way I wanted it. But some people really got that. People got bent. People thought that, and they got what I was doing. And you didn't have to, even the people who didn't get what I was doing still appreciated the story. But then there were a lot of people who commented that I just tacked the romance on. It would have been better if it was a Jen story or if I had handled the romance differently. Um, or if like, Barry okay, had been Gibbs and Tony, which is what they really meant. Gibbs and Tony. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, so, yeah. So I just, I just bail, and I think that I think now, in, in light of this context, I think that you know what was going on um, with me is I got, I was tired of people trying to put me in a box. Um, so, well, you know. I think I can see um, this is not an excuse for their behavior, but you came out of the gate in NCIS with this ginormous, very popular um, fic that was a Gibbs and Tony pairing, and they 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 all must have thought you were just like a gift from heaven because the NCIS fandom isn't exactly full of mature and talented writers, of which you were both. And I thought, oh, oh, God, thank God, we got some, oh, oh, wait. <laughs> She's not doing what, what the hell is she writing? She do. Hold my hand. Yeah, because then, <laughs> thing, number, thing number two was Tony Denozo, Jack O'Neill, which I'm probably, I'm pretty sure some people sprain their, sprain themselves. Um over the transition between Tony Gibbs and Tony Jack O'Neill, like, wait, what? Um, but people actually really went with me on that one more than some of the other pairings. <laughs> some of the other pairings people have been like, and especially the jump to Harry Potter on occasion. Um, that has been, um, I know a lot of my NCIS readers don't like that. Um, but, such is life. Uh, most, I would say most of them have kind of gotten on board with um, me um, going going different directions with Tony in terms of pairing, and and that I probably won't pair him with Gibbs in another big story, um, except for Intuitive, which is already in the process. Um, but the um, oddly enough. On my site now, on on Ao3, Emergence was the most popular story 
I wrote I had on the story on the site by any by any measure except bookmarks um, by hits by comments by kudos by you know, any any measure um, emergence was the most popular thing I had on AO3 um, on my site journey home is more popular um, it is not the most popular however <laughs> the most popular story on my site is continues to be by a really big margin um, the the Avengers story with Tony and Bruce Banner. Um, I, I don't mean Which by a little great. bit. I I love that story. It's one of my personal favorites. But it's just to me, it's so strange that because that that story existed on Ao3 for a long time, along with all the other stories. So it's just strange to me that on my site, um, that it is easily ten thousand reads ahead of anything else that I have. Um, I find that to be a head scratcher. I was like, I don't know. That's just, and that was one of the pairings. People, one of the things people commented to me a lot was, I was really skeptical about this pairing, but I really, really am now on board with it. <laughs> I'm 100 so, percent on board really, with that. I was like, wow, really? I wasn't expecting to enjoy it because I was like, because at the time I was a serious Darcy Bruce, and I still am, um, and I was like, really, really, Dilly, is that what you're gonna do to me? <laughs> <laughs> and then I read it, and I was like, "Damn it!" <laughs> That's what she did to me. What I did. Um, so it surprises me that that. I honestly have no people... idea what's the most popular thing on my site. So now I have to go look because I really don't sort that way. I've I've never sorted that way. I mean, I think maybe like a couple years ago, someone asked me, and I looked it up, but it's not my. It's not, it's not my go-to statistic. Speaking of, someone asked me if I was exaggerating during the last podcast that I had 19,000 individual views um, um, views last week. Um, no, that's not an exaggeration. It's actually an underestimate. It was 22,000 individual users last week. Um, but like I said in that podcast, it's it's just a number. Um Comments feel tangible, but statistics like that just tell me how much money I'm going to have to spend on the site. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's just an indication of how much money is it's going to cost me. Because the um, the um. My site stats after I left Ao3. Um, they went crazy, um, which not surprisingly, I'm not surprised that most people read my work on AO3. That doesn't surprise me at all. And I, I did not, if anybody thinks that I left AO3 to boost my site stats, that is not the case. Um, but I rolled over on St. Patrick's Day, I think. I rolled over to 3 million views on my, my my personal website, and over 2 million of those have been since I left AO3. So it's been in the last, you know, 14, 15 months. Um, in, this, in the three years prior to that was the other... 2.2 million of that was in the last 15 months. And then the... Um, the other 800,000 was in the three years prior. So my site traffic was fairly low until I left AO3. Um, wow. Um, I am 
super surprised by this. What's the, what is it? What story is it? Um, well, t- Ties That Bind, obviously, is uh, the big one. But the second one really surprised me. It's Tangled Destinies. Uh-huh. Do you know why I even looked at that statistic? It's because we were doing um I looked at it the other day when we were when we were when we were retroactively putting in the views on the project files and we look at the summary page. Mhm. Um so we were on that summary page on on Rough Trade and I went, I wonder what my summary page looks like. <laughs> so I went and looked <laughs> at it. And I was and I was like, okay, so really? The top five in order, Ties That Bind, Tangled Destinies, Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, The Sentinels of Atlantis, and What Might Have Been. Tangled Destinies is the only surprise in there. Yeah, I'm surprised about Tangled Destinies, really, genuinely. Well, the thing is, is I don't have a very big presence in the Star Trek fandom. Um, and I just, I don't know, just, it, it just, that isn't what I would have picked for my, one of my top fives. Because I don't have a very big presence. I don't have a lot of thick in that fandom. Just um, Tangled Destinies and um, a bunch of shorts. Uh, and um, it just, it's my love letter to Amanda Grayson, Tangled Destinies is, because um, I was really, I, I came out of the theater really pissed off that they killed her, and I was like, fuck that, fuck all this shit, I'm changing all that, they're moving to Earth. <laughs> I had half, I had the half of the first story of Tangled Destinies plotted before my husband drove, got me into the house from having watched that first movie, I was like, oh, and I went upstairs, he said, don't blow up Vulcan this time. <laughs> Say that was that was his only input. No, well, if he's going to give input, if he's going to give input, I'd say I'd say take it. <laughs> um, my my my, my, my website are um over twelve million. I ticked over twelve wow. million this month. That is crazy. My top five kind of surprised me, but don't. Um, three of them surprised me. Um, emergence, so I've got all your reasons first, and then emergence, and the journey home. That order doesn't surprise me. Um, at number four shocks me. It's I Wasn't Waiting for You, which is the Tony Aaron Hotchner Sentinel story. Um, really? I don't even know what to make Yeah, I know, right? I don't even know what to make of that. And then Vicious is number five. See, I'd have put Vicious before that other one. But they're all they're all very close. I mean, I wasn't waiting for you, Vicious. Everything they said and if found, please return, are separated by less than a hundred hits each. Oh, okay. Like number ten to number four, four to ten, there's like a three hundred hit spread on them. So they're all really close. But it's just kind of one of those. Um, It's just sometimes it's just kind of surprising what um, what people are going to be interested in. 
Speaking of tangled destinies, I haven't I haven't really talked about it, but um I will. Um someone wrote their master's thesis on tangled destinies. Well what? Really? With my permission, they um featured tangled destinies in their master's thesis. Uh and it's uh yeah. I was like, wow, really? Um <laughs> Yeah. Their professor has actually read it and enjoyed it and I guess and um or was aware of it or I think it's the same person. There were two different people. Um but um one was one wasn't a thesis, it's just one that was a thesis. And um her thesis was accepted and it's being published. Wow. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah, it's it's really um, she did it about um reader uh reader response and um tangled destinies and um it's following and um Tumblr and I haven't read it yet, but she told me that I could um she would send me a PDF when it was ready to to be released so that I could read it. That's really cool. And weird. <laughs> and weird. And weird. I can I can see I can see that it would be weird. <clears throat> but yeah, you know, it was like when she asked me, I was like, Are you serious? <laughs> like, okay. Go go on with your bad self. But yeah, it's it's just really interesting. But I would never have put it in my top five. And I don't know why. I've it's one of my top five it's, favorites it's, of yours. I would definitely, it's one of my favorites of yours, personally. So, um, The one artist. <laughs> That's interesting. I don't know. I I think that um, fandom maturity plays a part in um, an author's response to to moving around. Um, I didn't get a whole lot of grief from Stargate fans when I started, you know, branching out. Um, and I think a lot of Stargate fans realized that I was kind of um, burned out on the fandom and I needed a break. Uh, and um, I needed something, you know, kind of, you know, just to flex my muscles a little bit, you know. And um, mm-hmm. But Harry Potter readers, they don't want you straying. They don't want you, um, you know, and then they, oh, you must have abandoned this fic. You haven't worked on it in three months. And oh, fuck you. I. So serious. That's just that's so frustrating. It's like, and I think most of my readers have gotten really good about um, being enthused about kind of wherever I want to go. I mean, I know there's some things like I think some people are super skeptical about me branching out into Teen Wolf, and now I've done it twice, and um, I'm probably horrified to know that I've plotted three more. So, um, 
but I think most most of the people who actually write to me um, are really are really supportive. Um, the thing I get the most um, the most intrusive comments or questions about is Slytherin Black. Um, almost every day, I get an email about it. Almost every day. My I shouldn't be working on this. What happened to this mutant plot bunny Teen Wolf time travel story is 25K. (laughs) (laughs) You know that what I said, I only have a little idea. I don't have enough to plot. I'll just write a little bit of something. And it it grew. That that happened a little bit of something. 25K. Harry grew up in 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 the Shire thing too, though. Well, no, I plotted that though. I plotted that. It just, well, um, true. I'm a worried but bitch. What, That's what happened? But what had happened you, was I had you, plotted 25k, 25 cap chapters, and I'm on chapter 25, and I think it's going to be like 30 chapters. Holy crap! Because we haven't even gotten to the Battle of the Five Armies yet. No, you haven't. And that seems to be an important part of the story. Uh, but I'm, I remember when that kind of, you got that bunny and you were kind of talking about it. And it seemed like at first it was just going to be a little idea. And then you kind of went off and you like came back a couple of days later. And you're like, this is a little bigger. <laughs> it's yeah, not quite the, magic is 132K right now. It's not quite the petite little thing you'd expect it to be. And I knew that was in the plotting. You figured out it was bigger in the plotting. But when you first started talking about it, it was just this little idea. Um, and, you know, sometimes that's how you that's how you wind up with an epic is when you sit down and you start figuring out what's involved in telling the story is all of a sudden you go, okay, this is not a little idea. This is This is huge. ginormous and that's you know if I end it where I originally planned to end it and I'm like but I've also teased about Cabbage Patch Babies and I've teased about a wedding ceremony that's not plotted Um, and I'm like damn it So I have a little, I have a little section in my in my OneNote for this particular um, build um, storylines for part two. So I have to mention we do we kind of have to the whole um, some of these mutant Teen Wolf bunnies. Um, we we do lay at the feet of of, of uh, my red turtle. She, I think she's in chat. Actually, she is in chat. She um, is. She is. She is. She um she did a thing. She did a thing that became my headcanon. It's it's Kira's headcanon. Um, and we yeah we both it's went my headcanon. We we both went forth in headcanon. Um, with that inspiration from this really brilliant thing that she did, and um um. Anyway, so uh, it's just kind of a funny aside. Is on a completely different thread. Um, there's I just posted like a, a, a meme 
on uh, yes, we have Claire to thank. Um, so we have uh, we had this mutant this this I had this meme that I posted about towel folding, and Claire um, not Claire uh, Myra Turtle pu- responded to the post. Uh, we were talking about towel folding and like how should a towel be folded, and um, somebody asked me how to how a towel be folded. And there's there's a way of folding a towel set, a bath towel, a hand towel, and a washcloth, so that it looks like a turtle. And um, that while that is not an appropriate way to fold your towels for your cabinet, it is cute as hell. So I had posted that and I had tagged her on it, and I said if you ever have read, if you have red towels and you make this turtle, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> my red towel turtle. Uh, she did not have <laughs> did not have red tur- uh, red towels, but she did immediately do it in purple towels and send me um, <laughs> purple purple um, the, send me a picture of um, the purple towel turtle. So uh, we have declared that um, that uh, plot bunnies that are inspired by um, All In are not plot bunnies, they're plot turtles, and plot turtles are purple. This is the rules <laughs> that we have made up. <laughs> so it is written. So it is written. The purple <laughs> towel turtle is coming out. So beware. You know, sometimes the purple towel turtle um, shall make an appearance. Now, my my teen wolf plot bunny um, and the the, the tree um, issue... Uh, it turns into a um, a tree baby, and I have a I have a um, excerpt in uh, Minion Headquarters that that I uh, put up where um, Derek and my female Styles, who I've who have called Magdalena, um, travel back in time, kind of by accident. <laughs> in that Oops. she's dying because she's been cursed, so she decides to use her magic. To, to save the the tree is it Nematon? Nematon. Nematon. Yeah. I think it's Nematon. And but I I haven't watched actually they talked about the Nematon so. And Derek and her are together and they're a couple and they do a ritual, and as Derek is dying with her, um, he gets this stray thought and he saves Puff Marshmallow Man her um her ritual and they end up going back in time. And it, it it's kind of a little bit of an Easter egg, because if um, what you learn about Magda is that she was trained by Sally Owens to be a witch, and Sally Owens did blood magic and used that blood magic to travel back in time to get rid of a curse on her family. So it's kind of a little Easter egg. It when you when you see the Sally Owens name later on, there's that that connection between Sally and, mm. and Magda. Um, That's really cute. And uh, yeah, I know. I thought so too. I was um, I was really pleased with it when I when I kind of finagled how I was going to make the the um, blood magic work. And anyway, the the Nematon becomes um, sentient. It wakes up, and um, Magda and Derek are. Her parents. <laughs> She's their tree baby. They're their ancient tree baby. And um 
so yeah, so 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 now they're back in time, and um, they're in fifteen-year-old bodies, and they're having to go to school, and um, and Magda is so done. <laughs> she has she has zero time for anybody's bullshit. <laughs> so. It's super cute. It's a super cute idea. I love time travel. I think Teen Wolf is another one of some of those fandoms that is sort of, sort of, primed for time travel. Um, it's it's done way less in Teen Wolf than I would like, though. I want more time travel in Teen Wolf. Um, I get it in in Harry Potter. I get it in The Hobbit. But Teen Wolf is just not, you know. Um, it's not there. I know. It's not, not as much as at least not as much as I would like. But um, I, I, one of the, I think probably the next one I'll work on with Teen Wolf is the one where Derek travels back in time because while he's gone, um, the town basically gets wiped out and he finds out that Styles died um, and he comes back to um, um, Beacon Hills and um, agrees to go back and prevent prevent the events that started the sort of the supernatural sort of like Beacon Hills becoming a hell mouth. I, I, that's kind of a, a gag, I think, um, for a lot of people who read and write in Teen Wolf is that Beacon Hills is sort of like a hell mouth. It, not in a literal way, like a Buffy crossover, but they just kind of joke about the supernatural influence on the town and how it's all attracted there. Which comes back to the tree, which has to deal with towel turtles, purple towel turtles. Yeah. Purple towel turtles, but it is it is Barry Turtle's fault that I think the tree is sentient. Whether or not it, Claudia is is up for grabs, but it's definitely sentient. <laughs> it's definitely sentient. It's a sentient tree. I actually especially enjoyed um, the one you wrote where the nematon moved. <laughs> I really I don't love know. that. I don't know what happened to my brain with that. I had originally thought of that as a series of of shorts where there would be like little tiny short stories around each of those events. Um, And I was trying to come up with a bunch of different little things that would be odd. And I think that was like like short number four where I thought, well, what if the nematon showed up in their backyard? (laughs) And I thought that's the craziest thing I've ever thought of. But okay, why not? I have um, a little line in in my story where Magda says um, that the tree is very um, attached to Derek, and that they're lucky that the tree is as old as she is, or she might try to move <laughs> 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 to you in your honor. Aww. Was that um, was that excerpt done as a file? It was not. It was just a. Um, it was just a post. Um, if you go into Minion Headquarters, if you're a member, and if you're not a member, you can join. Um, and is there not a search button? There is some on the left now. I just tried to add you to the group again. <laughs> wow, I can't find it. That's really strange. Wasn't there a search option? Did there is. To be able to search the group? It's on, it's on the oh, left. there it is. Um, 
If you go into Minion Headquarters and hit the search button and put the word Magda in, it's the first result. M-A-G-D-A. Aha. There it is. I can give a link to people who are, but it'll only work for people who are in Minion Headquarters. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Okay. Yeah, that, um, but you need to be a member and you need to be in the group. And it's a tiny little thing. It's just um, just an example of the piss poor attitude she brought back in time. Um, and um, and I have my little mood board. I love this mood board thing from Be Funky. I, I'm, I'm really attached to it. Um, I noticed a lot of them on RT this time, so I hope that uh, having that option is... Uh, made the featured image thing a little less stressful. <laughs> I mean, there are times I am not in the mood to do art. So, yeah, I found, I was like, when we, were, when we went hunting, when you mentioned mood boards, I was like, a what now? And we went and started hunting for collage makers. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is on the money. Because I don't mind <laughs> anything. You, you, don't even have to, you don't have to resize your images. You just plunk them into the collage and then boom. Like, oh, this is so awesome. But on our topic, I mean, that's the thing is, like, I think that there – I don't even know when the point was. There was a point in my writing as a, as a, as a slash writer um, when I thought of myself as – that's, that's what it was, it was. There was, like, this mark where I was a slash writer and then I was a writer because I, a fandom put me in that box. Um, and, I, and the thing is, I let it happen. You know, I wasn't even aware I was doing it. It's like, oh, okay, I'm, I, I'm a slash writer. Right, which are you? Are you slash writer? You hit writer? You gen writer? And I was like, oh, I'm a slash writer, I guess. Um, and then, and then sometimes they would put you, try to, you know, kind of, kind of push you even, even further into a, a box. Like, what ship do you write? What, what ship are you? What's your OTP? Write that pairing. Go join this mailing list. And there was this point where I was like, I don't want to be in that box. Um, and I kind of broken out of it a little bit when I wrote um, X Files, but not—it's not a ton. I was still a flash writer, you know. I was still—I still had that label um, that I was willing to to have. And um, I, there were elements that I felt that were expected in any story that I wrote, and one of them was that there would be a sex scene in any story I wrote. Um, that, it, that even no matter how short it was, that it had to be there. That sex was an expectation. And I let that limit me and stop me from writing a lot of times because um, I'm not always in the mood to write a story with the sex in it. Sometimes I don't even want to write a romantic story. But I felt so so hemmed in by the expectation that I would produce a relationship-focused romance with sex that I would just not write rather than break off of that expectation. Um, and I, there's something dramatically different, I think, about my mindset coming into um, rough trade, but I was still a little bit in the box because if I had emergence to do over, and I'm sorry, Tony Gibbs shippers, but that would be mothership all the way. 
if I had it to do over, that would be a Tony Steve story because I was still in the box when I started writing again, um, writing in fandom again. Um, I was still in that box mentally of a fandom OTP that I had to have a, a pairing um, and that I couldn't not be in uh, Steve McGarrett. Um, and that I couldn't not be in, um, that it had to be somebody in that canon universe that he was paired with, which, you know, ugh, that's, that's really limited choices. If you're, if you're going for pairing within the NCIS universe, um, at the time that I wrote this, that was, well, it, within that show, that felt really limited to me. I felt like my choice was Gibbs, which is so that's what I wrote. Um, but yeah, if I had if I if I was where I am mentally now, writing my first rough trade, I would do it differently. And I got more familiar with the writers who were affiliated with Rough Trade, Kira, Lady Holder, and I didn't see the boundaries around them that I saw um, when I had been in fandom before. It, it, I didn't see them as limited. I didn't. I mean, Kira, like she was doing these thematic challenges, and then like you know next year she rattles off a fandom challenge and like, no, that was that summer. I think it was July. So it was my third challenge. And it's like, um, start with it. Stargate and Harry Potter. I think it was Stargate and Harry Potter was the challenge. And I was like, I don't write neither one of those. <laughs> what? Except for I'd written this crossover with Jack, but that wasn't really a Stargate story. It was Stargate Atlantis and, and, and Harry Potter. And I was a little flummoxed. I'm like, but that will take me outside of my box. <laughs> Um, and it's really, it's really even if it's even if it's just one time that you write a story in another fandom, or you try a different pairing, get out of the box. I I found it so good for me to not feel constrained and confined by other people's expectations or by fandom's expectations of what I would be as a writer. So that if I get up tomorrow morning well not tomorrow morning tomorrow morning I'm working on what's mostly a genfic in Harry Potter but outside of rough trade if I get up in the morning and I want to write Teen Wolf I'm going to write Teen Wolf and if I get up in the morning and I want to write NCIS I'm going to write NCIS because and if I want to write Tony Penelope Garcia um, it doesn't matter anymore that people expect me to write Slash and if I don't want to put sex in my romance story I'm not going to put sex in my romance story because I don't feel um, I don't feel hemmed in the way I used to. And that makes it easier for me to write, to not feel like I am writing to other people's expectations, uh, to not feel like I'm in a box, to not feel like I'm limited, to not feel like I'm in the corner. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mission T was accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> it does. And, um, there's um the thing is is that when you're a creative person um and and you allow yourself to be boxed in you're going to create a situation that's just deeply unhealthy for you um you're going to get stagnant um and your ideas are going to dry up and you're just going to be deeply unhappy and i honestly think if i had not branched out from the stargate fandom i wouldn't be in fandom today cuz when i get bored i move on And 
with this with the series being canceled, there's no new canon, so it's really hard to um to find new inspiration, which is why I think a lot that in the future most of my Stargate works are gonna be deeply alternate universe because um there's just nothing there's nothing new there for me. You know, I, I'm I'm not finding inspiration in other writers there. I'm not finding inspiration in the show. Um, I think one of the most dynamic fandoms when it comes to inspiration um, is The Hobbit. And even though we're not getting a new content, obviously, because the books are so old um, and the author is no longer with us, um, it's it's different because the fandom is, is really big and open and dynamic and there's lots of ideas and it's just it's it's inspiring um so you should allow yourself to be inspired and 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 go there and and do you and and not let anybody put you in the corner you don't need patrick swayze to rescue you not that i would have turned it down in my day (laughs) i i wouldn't have either um the funny thing about the Hobbit is, um, I, I had I had problems with the Hobbit actually. I, I'm saying is I find the Hobbit a very inspiring fandom, but um, I wrote an unconventional pairing in the one Hobbit story I actually finished. I started several, but I only finished one, um, and it was for a rush trade challenge. And the most questions I get about it are, but what about Bilbo? <laughs> He's not even born. You need to move on. Yes, but he won't be born now. I know. Move on. Move on. Um, you take sort of Bilbo out of existence, people lose their minds. <laughs> this I, I have, have learned. To admit, I have to admit the non-existence of Bilbo in your story bothered me too. Yeah, it bothers a lot of because people. It's, um, it's Bilbo. The thing is, in in the story arc, Bilbo would have eventually existed. Because I believe he was meant to exist, but he would have been a Dwabbit, and he would have been Thorin's son. And um, I think that would have upset people almost as much as Bilbo. (laughs) Well, considering my OTP in the Hobbit fandom is Bilbo Thorin, yes, it would have... Woo! (laughs) Back to King in the face. He would have been... And the plan in that story arc in the sequel, well, that would have been the third story in that book, uh, that in that series, the way I had planned it, was that Bilbo would have been the last, it would have been the last during the Deathless, would have been Bilbo. Um, so, you know, I mean, I had I had a thing where Bilbo was going to come back in, the third story was going to be about him, but he would have been Thorne's kid, so it was just kind of people were like a little bit like, oh, what? <laughs> you can do what now? I'm sorry. <laughs> That's that's slightly worse than Bilbo not existing in The Hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I I I it sometimes and sometimes I have to be careful for me about um and this is my own box is because my own head canon can be very profound. Um, and, and any but I think any writer has this that there's some things that they can just get really stuck in. And they cannot move around, get around it really. And they don't really want to. You don't have to get around your headcanon. But sometimes if I write something that really resonates with me personally as a writer, well, that wasn't just an interesting experiment, but it really resonates, I'm really stuck with that. So 
by writing John um, Shepard and Tony as being brothers in a way that I loved, I could never write John and Tony in a romantic pairing because in my head, it's like my head canon is that even if Tony doesn't know that he's a shepherd, he's a shepherd. In every story, right. it's my head canon that he's a shepherd. So I could never write a story where Tony and John are in a romantic pairing. Now I can't do it. And so sometimes it's like you don't even aware that you're you're crossing a line in uh, until you've done it, and then you're like, oh, I'm screwed now. <laughs> so I do screwed me too because about- I was on AO3 and I clicked on a story and it was Tony um, and Steve McGarrett. And I was like, oh, okay, great. But then I realized it was Tony, Steve McGarrett, Steve McGarrett, and John Shepard. I closed it. Oh shit! Because <laughs> it was like a, it had like some pseudo like- incest reflex, and it's all Julie's fault. It is my fault. That one is my fault. Because um, I, 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 there was, there was a story one day where I was reading the summary and I hadn't noticed the pairing. I was like, oh, that sounds fascinating. I look like, oh, Tony, John, I can't read that. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have, a, I have a hesitance in my head about going to the, to the length of writing, to actually getting and writing further in that universe um, where um, – Bilbo is Thorn's son because I worry about corrupting my OTV. <laughs> but I've never written Thorn Bilbo, so it's not like as a writer that I have that in my head. So I figured if I ever decided to go back to The Hobbit, I would I would work on one of the other stories I started in The Hobbit or that I plotted in The Hobbit because I started three, the one I did for the challenge and two others, and I plotted, I think, five. Um, because a lot of times when we do a challenge – a rough trade, I'll plot, you know, somewhere between three and a dozen ideas. Um, maybe not fully plot, but at least sketch out. And they'll hit a point sometimes in my plotting where I go, this is not appropriate for the challenge. It's going to be too big. Usually it's because it's going to be too big. Um, that's usually my flaw is that it's a, it's a 10K challenge and I just plotted 150,000 words. So, um, in you know, I just made a few sketch out, you know, a few broad sketches of what the story is going to be about. Went well, nope, hundred fifty thousand words. Moving on. Um, but so sometimes when we did that Hobbit challenge, um, the Hobbit, I we didn't do a Hobbit challenge. We did a historical challenge, and we and Kira said that the Hobbit counted as historical, um, which is why I decided to write the Hobbit because I absolutely um, traditional historicals. I, it's a hard stop for me. I can't do it. So. I was really relieved that a historical esque fandom um, worked for that challenge because uh, I was like, "What the heck am I going to do for a historical?" Um, <laughs> like nothing. <laughs> like my mind was blank, and when I saw that the Hobbit would work, I was like, "Oh!" And then I went off and plotted like five Hobbit stories and um, picked the one that I thought I could tell in the in the time in the in the word cha- word count challenge. I have a whole bunch but of works in progress for The Hobbit because I find it fascinating and um, I find Girl Bilbo especially fascinating because there's a suspicious lack of women, of females in those stories and it pisses me off. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to write Hobbit and Bilbo's a girl, boom. But then I ended up writing Small Magic and someone asked me um, why I wrote Bilbo instead of Bella Um and it and it boiled down to um, Harry's circumstances. 
because while I could see Bilbo letting Harry go off to his world, you know, my son's a man, he's going to handle his business. I can't see Bella doing the same thing. I think Bella would have, would have insisted on going with him. And um, it's just a difference in in how men and women treat their children um, where, um, and it's not a matter of Bella thinking that Harry was, isn't competent. It's just a difference in how um, parents respond to their children leaving the nest. And I just think that Bilbo ex- accepted it and Bella would have been like, nope, <laughs> let me get my bag. <laughs> That's not happening. <laughs> and that would have yeah, been and that would have been a whole different story, which would ruin right. your plot, right? Because your plot was right. that it, it, Harry it show up and and not find his dad where his dad was supposed to be. Um, it's like right. where's my father? Um, and that totally goes out the window if dad is with him. Right. Because it was like I wanted to like interfere with the quest right there, and so it it had to be Bilbo. It couldn't have been Bella. Um, and I don't have a problem writing Bilbo. It's just um, writing Bella is more fascinating to me. Um, it's really interesting to me in the way that um, female styles is really interesting to me. And yes, I know there are plenty of girls that I could have written in Teen Wolf. I just really am fascinating by, fascinated by the idea of how things would have changed if styles had been a girl. Well, for starters, Derek wouldn't have been crawling in her bedroom window, and he most definitely would not have been throwing her up against the wall on a regular basis. No, definitely not. My story is uh, a time travel of an AU. Things went down differently, Um, and um, Derek is the same age as the rest of them. And Scott didn't get bit, didn't get bitten until he was out of high school. Um, so, um, and it it got bad. It got it got fucked up. Um, obviously, since they end up dying on the Nemeton and going back in time, it 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 got really fucked up. Uh, but uh, it was just I'm really fascinated by the gender bending um, of Styles of McKay. Um, and it's just really, if if you follow me, Scott's always going to be a massive dick. Um, if if you follow me, and if you followed me since 2008 when I entered fandom, you, you will know that there were at one point I was I found um, gender um, switches in characters infuriating. I also found Mel Mel Preg kind of. Why the fuck are you doing that? But. I've grown as a writer. Expanded <laughs> <laughs> my horizons. <laughs> and I, well, I, in some ways, I have in some ways, I, sometimes I read, um, I, I used to be like that, like really limited about, um, the, the, the rule 63 stuff. And, um, I read a couple of stories. I I would always try it with writers I kind of with writers I liked. I would try it. Sometimes it did not resonate for me. I'd be like, nope. Um, but now I give it a try. So I will give it a try now. 
Um, but there's still more times than not that I try it, even with writers I like, that I go, nope, nope, nope. Um, if people try to tell me, well, think of it like an original character. Don't try to think of it as a, as a female version of the, the – I haven't quite made that leap yet in my brain either because then that's taking a character that I really love out of the story. So I'm still kind of mentally trying to get there with that. Um, <laughs> I'm still trying to mentally get there. Um But yeah, I could always try it. I, I've tried I've tried Girl Styles a few times. It hasn't quite gelled with me yet. But I'm looking forward to reading what you which your story when when you're ready with it and and seeing how that goes. I've been sharing little um, excerpts in the bitch squad. Um mostly just they're funny. smart ass they're remarks funny. that really amuse me. Because um, really what it boils down to is a scene is a, is a series of scenes where Magda is mean to Jackson or something. <laughs> This is taking too much typing. Um, so I mentioned in the chat room that I I plotted once plotted. I was I will say I was on drugs for this. Okay, and and there was um, there was a um, doctor prescribed drugs. She's not saying she's yes, a drug I, addict. It, don't don't right, send I, her right, right. I was, emails. I, I was, I was taking a lot of painkillers at the time. I will just say that. Okay, and um, I. And Azure is a terrible influence, okay? So I need to preface this. And I decided to plot a fusion. Uh, and a, a traditional fusion is where you take the cast of one show and you put them on another show. And I plotted a fusion between NCIS and Red Dwarf where the NCIS cast was was doing was on the Red Dwarf ship and did that whole thing. And so Tony was Lister. And I think, I mean, I had cast Ducky as Holly and um, um, Tim was, Tim was Crichton. Um, I the got cat nothing. was Ziva. Um, and I, I, I had cast Gibbs as Rimmer. Um, so it was, um, it was, it was crazy. It was completely it was completely nuts. Um, like I said, drugs were definitely involved in the plotting of that that bit of crazy. <laughs> and, and Azure, Azure was an influence. <laughs> Look, because if there is a universal truth in the horde, well, there are two. Don't have anything in your mouth when you're reading on the internet. You'll regret it. <laughs> and two, you will regret it. Azure's a bad influence. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible influence. So yeah, so I I had <laughs> I had plunked the cast um into into the um into the into the Red Dwarf universe and I I had really wanted um uh to make my my idea around what I was really trying to do was try to make the episode polymorph happen. Um, with with that cast of characters, I don't know why. I guess I really wanted um, Gibbs to give the clitoris speech. Um, so yeah. Um, Earlier up here, Nani was talking about um, addressing how gender c- can change and does change certain dynamics and behaviors without pandering to stereotypes. 
Um, I think it's very important when when you switch the gender of a character to to look at the character as a whole and say, okay, what is realistic um, for a woman here? How does this person treat other people? How are other people going to treat her? Um, and in in it in, in hold my coffee. Um, there was a a male reader who um who sent me an email um chastising me for exaggerating um uh, the level of sexual harassment um, a woman goes through on day to day basis um, and I wrote back and I asked him if he was married. And he said, yes. And I said, I want you to go ask your wife if she would park next to a van in a parking lot. And then I want you to ask your wife if she's ever carried her keys between her fingers to use as a weapon. An hour later, I got another email where he apologized to me. Mm. And so he should have. Because I think that men who don't do it assume that they're the norm. So I, a long time ago, I um, I had this blog post on my live journal talking about how um, my husband went with me to the grocery store and I told him to give me some distance. Because he did, because I had I had I had, I had talked about something, and he um, he didn't believe me. He, well, he didn't not believe me. He just didn't. He thought maybe I was just um, seeing something that wasn't there. You know, it was just my perspective was skewed. I said, okay, you can come with me, but keep your distance now. Like you're not with me. By the time we were at the meat counter, we go in the front door. We go through the vegetables and fruit. And um, by the time we got to the meat counter, which is just the end of the store in that corner by the opposite of the vegetables, my my husband was seething. (laughs) I had (laughs) three different men had brushed up against me. Two had reached across me in the vegetables and rubbed their arm on my tits. One asked me to pick out melons for him while holding a pear in front of him like a pair of tits. And by the time I got to the meat counter, I was standing there with a man, and um, I ordered some steaks, and he said, you ought to come to my house and cook those. Right? So my husband's like, you could hear him huffing like a bull. I mean, it was ridiculous. So this dude from the meat follows me all, all the way to dairy, right? And... um he says, oh, seriously, you should come to my house and cook those steaks. We can have a lot of fun. And my husband said, man, you need to go before I – you need to go. <laughs> and, and the thing is, the thing is, and this is the worst part, I had no makeup on. I think I might have combed my hair today. It was up in a, that day. It was in a scrunchie. I had on a pair of sweatpants and a T-shirt 
that I had worn while I was out training my dog. So I, it did not matter. No, it doesn't. I actually get hit on more when I was like crap. I would would say I never have understood that dynamic, but I actually kind of think that it has something to do with the fact that maybe I'm wrong here, but that guys think you must be desperate. (laughs) So they've got a better chance. I agree. I don't know. I agree. I don't know. How, how, how desperate do you think I am? Apparently very. (laughs) I mean, no, I mean, no, no, he didn't take over grocery shopping because I don't trust him with that thing. Did you not see the peanut butter issue? The peanut, the peanut oh, butter post. Yeah, she she has to send him pictures of the peanut butter to make sure he gets the right one. First time ever that he managed it. <laughs> I I actually I am licensed to carry and I do carry. Um, it's usually in my purse. Uh, I, but um, yeah, I mean, um. <laughs> no, that that peanut butter post is actually on Facebook. Booze, um, booze ready, <laughs> booze ready for the apocalypse. Yeah, she's ready for the apocalypse. Damn, boo. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, they're gonna fire holster. It, they're hot. <laughs> thigh holsters are hot. Yeah, I, I I highly recommend a thigh holster just just for the hotness. Yeah, I'd I'd carry there too. Um, and but I I honestly don't think that men um really understand the dynamics of of a woman's everyday life. I don't think they do either. I don't think they understand even a little bit. <laughs> if you start playing the video, you'll get a little YouTube sign that you can actually click on and then pause it for later. That's what I did. Um, so writing a female styles um, comes with a lot of um, questions. Um, because I think Styles and Canon have a lot more personal freedom than a father would have given a daughter, especially a cop. Yeah, who knows I what agree. Fifteen-year-old girls who are out in the middle of the night by themselves. Yeah, Styles got away with a lot because Styles was a boy. Yeah. Well, I have when, <laughs> when I did that. It's safer to be a fifteen-year-old boy out at night than it is to be a fifteen-year-old girl. I mean, it's just—it's probably safer to be a fifteen-year-old girl than it is to be a thirty-year-old woman. You know, I mean. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I did one short that was the Rule sixty-three. I was doing it for the Rule sixty-three prompt, um, and of course, I did. I did Tony. Um, and I, I, because it was such uncharted territory for me, I really put a lot. That's the that's the story I did the most back background world building in. And it was 
a lot figuring out what would be different. And I don't think that some of the stuff that happened to Tony and Cannon, um, what has happened to Tony, um, I think that Tony's English relatives would have adopted her, which is what I did. I don't think they would have left her. Um, I think that there's, that's kind of a thing that I've, I've, I've seen it in, in, in real life and I've certainly seen it in fiction where if a family doesn't like their daughter's um, husband and she, she dies, that um, if the son is a lot like the father in, in any kind of respect, that they'll kind of emotionally distance themselves from, from the son as being, well, that's just, I mean, especially since Tony's name was Anthony Denozo Jr. Um, I just, but I just think things would have gone down differently if Tony was a girl. Uh, so I had worked a lot out the backstory of why Tony's life would have gone different. Cause I don't think girl Tony was going to get shipped off to board to, to military Academy. I don't think it was going to happen. Um, not in the, not in the eighties. I just don't, I just didn't make sense. So I had to work out a different backstory that made sense for how Tony's life would have gone and how Tony would be and where Tony would have landed and what that would have looked like. And um, so that wound up being because of that gender change that wound up being the, the short, the big short thing that I did that was the most work was working out how things would be different because you can't just, you can't just put um, change someone's parts and, you know, from birth and think that things are going to roll out the same way for them. It doesn't make any sense. Beyond gender politics, um, there are, uh, for every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. Boys and girls process events differently. They respond differently. They act differently. They feel differently about them in the future. Um, and there are two ways you could look at Meredith McKay coming into the SGC um, and being confronted with Sam Carter, who is who is brilliant and successful. Um, this is my sister. We're going to be a team. This beautiful woman is my competition, and I need to destroy her. Because <laughs> that's how women think. It's an either-or in a situation like that. And Meredith grew up with a sister, so she saw a sister, a potential sister-ish relationship with with Sam and with Miko. But those aren't – that isn't the way McKay busted into the SGC. Bless his heart. <laughs> he busted into the SGC, saw a beautiful Sam Carter, and thought, oh, I want to bang her. <laughs> Can't really blame him. It wasn't done well. No, not well at all. <laughs> That's not how you do that. Pity see she's so dumb, right? Right? Um, but I have to tell you that from um, the only reason I watched Stargate Atlantis is because David Hewlett was cast as McKay. Because as terrible as he was, I loved him from minute one. Yeah. 
Well, sometimes you just like the asshole. You just do. Or bastard or whichever it is. I mean, he was more of an asshole, I think, when we first encountered him. But, um, yeah. Sometimes sometimes some characters, it's, I think it's their lack of perfection that makes them really appealing. And you go, oh, I, that's why I think Jack O'Neill was so opinion was so appealing from the jump, and so was Daniels. Either one of them were perfect. Daniels was too idealistic. Jack was too jaded. And they were good foils for each other too. Um, whereas Sam, I had, I had a hard time connecting with her because she was a little plastic to me at first. She she had some flaws later on, and that was that was better. But um, McKay was just he just kind of went, oh, I really like him. And I hope they bring him back. They're not done, right? like, oh, look, they're going to give him his own show. Yay. I'm so excited. <laughs> I was like all in. I was so excited. You know, when it comes to the, the, the male to female thing, I think one of the things that um, um, there's the part of the brain that governs decision making. Because um, people talk about why don't teenagers have good judgment and that kind of thing. The part of the brain that judges, that governs the decision making isn't mature in a teenager. Um, it's not really. The funny thing is, we say somebody's an adult before that part of their brain actually kicks in. It's fully mature. It's uh, fully mature around 25 or so, um, and that's definitely true for men. Now, the funny thing about the gender divide is there's, it's not the whole gender thing is not clear cut. But that decision-making part of the brain is often mature in women faster than it is in men, sometimes as early as 20. Um, and so it, there's something, there is something different about um, turning 18 or 19 or 20 does not magically mature someone's thought processes, but they might be a better decision-maker. A, char- a character who is female might make better decisions when they're younger than a man might. So it's one of those things that's just you kind of, when you're changing a male character who did a lot of dumb shit in in college, he might not have done a lot of dumb shit in college if he were female. But all other issues aside, just from the way the brains mature at different rates in men and women. And also one of the reasons why we make stupid decisions in more kids is because the decision-making part of our brain is not all there. Um, we're not fully baked until we're 25, and yet they set us loose on the world um, to make decisions. And that's why we all make bad decisions when we're young. Um, so it's just something to when you're when you're swapping out a gender, it is not it is not a simple task. Um, which is why I think that a lot of times you read it and it goes, but they're just like they were as a man. And it's funny. The funny thing is, some readers will appreciate that. Oh, this is just like male Tony. Well, then I would kind of go, oh, if it's just like male Tony, then then they haven't done a good job of changing the character's gender, because there's just no way that most characters are going to come out exactly the same way with a gender swapped. They shouldn't. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense. I have to say, Girl Harry is one of the biggest stretches for me, um, unless the author dramatically changes things. Um, I tried reading Girl Harry a couple times. Recommended to me. Both stories started year one with Harry having had 
girl Harry having had the exact same upbringing as boy Harry had. And that I just, I just don't buy for a brain. hot minute. No, but it doesn't make sense to me. I just can't get there. I can't get there with 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 girl Harry having had the exact same upbringing. Um, I, don't I don't think, think a female Petunia Tony would have treated. Huh? I don't think Petunia would have treated a girl Harry the way she treated boy Harry. I don't either. I think she'd have treated her like a Barbie doll. Because I think she mistreated Harry because she hated James. Yeah, taking her sister. Yeah, I think that would have gone really differently. And even if you want, even if even if you don't buy into the idea that Petunia would have felt more fondness for girl, a girl child of Louis. Um. I don't think the neighbors would have been as blasé about a little girl too skinny in rags weeding the garden all the time. Being bullied by her cousin. Her big, yeah, cousin. I think the neighbors would have been like, that's horrible. Um, The whole criminal mindset that that the neighbors believed about Harry would, I don't think would have, would have gone over with sweet, mild mannered little girl, Harry. I think it would just been different. So, um, I mean that's my opinion in, in terms of how I would have how I would have constructed the character. I don't have any interest in doing it, but that's how I've done it. So I think I think that's one of the things that writers and readers both do is that they kind of imagine, um, based on their life experiences and and everything, how how a character would be different in changed circumstances or different gender, and then you know there's a margin there's a margin of for a margin on either side of you know swing for things but when it when it's really divergent from what makes sense to them you know it it doesn't resonate and they move on um but every but people's experiences are going to be very different so there's a lot of different interpretations so and that's another question would Dumbledore even left a girl Harry with the Dursleys I don't have a. I don't know that I have a struggle with that decision. Um, because Harry was always just a weapon. I don't think yeah, the gender would have played any into it at all. No, I I agree. I think that. But it I might have it, impacted Minerva's Minerva. Yeah, action. more. I agree. I agree. I I don't know. I don't know that Minerva could have stood stood aside and let Dumbledore leave a little girl on the doorstep. And that's actually kind of harsh that I think that about her character, that she was willing to walk away from little boy Harry on the doorstep, and that I don't think she would walk away from the little girl on the doorstep. Well, there's a distinct set of fears that you have for a girl child that you don't necessarily have for a male child. I think for a child, I would have the same fears. Because... And this is this is terrible, but um, I have a nephew and a niece who are the same age, um, and often I will let him go to the bathroom by himself. Now I'll watch, you know, to see who comes in and out, but 
I don't let my niece go to the bathroom by herself. I go with her when you when we were out in public. Um, mm-hmm. And when I noticed I was doing it, I was like, "Is this a problem?" And I asked my sister, and she says she does the same thing. And I was like, "Don't you think we should?" She said, "Well, we can't actually go into the men's room, and he's too old to go into the girls' room." And I'm like, mm-hmm. "So yeah, I mean, you know." Well, some areas, I mean, there was there was there were real problems with boys being molested in bathrooms for a while, so. I think it kind of depends upon area, location, um, what kind of crime problems there are in the area. Um, I prefer they use the family bathroom that locks. It's just an individual, you know. Yeah, I agree. But it's not always an that's not always an option, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I lived in a town at one point where there was a a, a, a serial sex offender before they caught him who molested a lot of boys in bathrooms. So it was that's kind of in my head. So. I mean, that's, where, that's where everybody's life experience comes in differently into assessing how these things have gone down, um, how things would change, how people would view a boy versus a girl. Um, I think it also boils down to the personality of the kid in particular because my older nephew, I'm not sure I would have done the same thing with because he was very quiet and not prone to making a scene. But this particular boy would scream his head off if anybody came near him. Yeah, well, there, he, there are completely in talk. <laughs> I mean, there you know, and I'm like, like that, yeah. but my niece, she she wouldn't scream. I don't think she would scream. I think she would be too, um, she's, she's very introverted and she wouldn't want to make a scene, you know? She'd try to run, but I don't think she would make a fuss. Well, some kids, some kids, I mean, some kids, the kids, everybody's brain works different. Some kids, you tell them about strangers and don't talk to strangers, and here's the danger of strangers. And if a stranger introduces themselves, the kid goes, okay, not a stranger. I was that kind of literal kid. Like, but they're not a stranger I bet you anymore. were. I was. The literal, I popped out of the womb with literal. <laughs> I mean, I kid you not, this is, this is the absolute truth. Is my parent, my father got tired of trying to get me to eat because I had a, I was very sick as a kid and I I had a lot of food allergies I don't have now, um, and so everything was making me throw up and so I had a very limited diet for many years and when I started getting better, I was a toddler I was like three, and um, they were trying to get me to expand my diet and eat basically something besides Cheerios and formula, and um, so my father kept trying to make me eat oatmeal and I wouldn't do it. And he said to me, young lady, you're going to eat that or you're going to wear it. And my mother's account of this is that I just, she said, you just stared at him a few times, picked up the bowl and dumped it on your head. (laughs) (laughs) That's adorable. And she said, said, I I asked her, I said, mom, when did this literal thing happen with me? And that oatmeal was her example of my first act of being super literal. I was like three when he tried to make me eat it or wear it, and I just did it for him. You're going to eat it or you're going to wear it. I was like, okay. <laughs> just dumped it on my head. Um, and then my mom's like, you know, I have to clean her up now. 
you know, if I was that kid, if you told me not to talk to strangers, all somebody would have to do is introduce themselves and problem solved, right? Um, wow. So, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I was, I would have been a high risk kid just because you would have had to really give me a very detailed set of instructions. Um, beyond I needed I couldn't give me an if then statement you know from birth I needed an if then else you know I, I needed the full tune I needed the ex, I needed the, I needed how I needed error handling <laughs> from very young that's hilarious <laughs> <clears throat> Mm. I was somebody asked earlier. I just want to go ahead. What? Go ahead. I was. I was somebody asked. You were blunt. Yeah. I could see that you're still blunt. You're still blunt, and I'm still literal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, somebody asked earlier if um, um, would Harry being female change Voldemort targeting the Potters over the long bottoms? I think it depends upon um, your interpretation of Voldemort's motives for why he chose the Potters to go after first. Because I do think potentially he'd have gone after both of them, right? I mean, I think that was the plan, right? I mean, he would have killed one and then gone and killed the other. The two kids who could have fulfilled the prophecy, that's probably the way it would have gone down. Um, but if you if you think that he went after um, the kid who was the most like him, um, meaning um, a half-blood, um, then I don't think it mattered. would have mattered if Harry was a boy or a girl. Um, if it was the perception of, of um, if he had some kind of gender bias where he thought girl, you know, boys were more magical, although his right hand was Bella, so I didn't see a lot of gender bias from him in that regard. No, he so, was I don't more know, interested in he, your blood than... Than your gender, I think he would have still gone after Harry, boy or girl, based upon um, whatever decision-making factor he had already, which I do think was because um, Harry was a half-blood, and on some level he knew that half-blood had nothing—you know—blood status had nothing to do with power level. Uh, but even if he had gone after Neville first, um, if Harry, girl, girl Harry was the child of prophecy then Neville would have just died and Voldemort would have gone after Harry still so I still think that that part of it would have happened it would have been sad we we are 58 minutes officially into rough trade Officially. We are. Fifty eight minutes ago. I, I changed all the contributors to authors about fifty eight minutes ago. <laughs> I meant to say but I forgot. <laughs> um but I was a terribly blunt I would get asked the question that I that um my mom said I had a habit of like either if I didn't want to tell the truth I would refuse to answer entirely. Like, did you break the window? 
I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) 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 Hmm. (laughs) So when I got older, it would be like, did you break the window? Well, do you want the truth? Would you like me to make up a really entertaining lie? (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes, depending on what it was, she would go for the really entertaining lie. (laughs) Well, maybe she needed a laugh. (laughs) I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) I was... I was even literal about my deceptiveness because, like, my mom would say, you cannot pick the peas and eat all the peas. You can't. Don't go pick all the peas. That's what I would do is I'd go out in the garden and I'd eat, take all the peas. Um, so I started eating the peas out of the pods without picking them. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> you go out there and pick her, there'd be empty pods. That is hilarious. I said, well, you should have told me not to not to eat the peas. You said, don't pick the peas. I didn't pick them. So <laughs> I ate them. <laughs> We're down to 42 seconds. You guys have a great week. Good luck with Rough Trade. Um, and we'll, we'll see how it goes. Don't be nervous. You do It'll you. Okay. No boxes. Say good night, Jilly. Good night, everyone.